I have flown, I have sailed, I have moved about this world of ours ever in search of the finest of its kind. Bergen Stage's Radio Theater brings you the tops and spine tinglers today with Alive in the Grave. Feeling the chill of the evening? Wait until you're with us a little. You'll freeze with fear. The cemetery caretaker and the ashen-faced, trembling young man make an odd pair as they stand by an open grave under the pale moon. In the grave itself is a coffin. The lid has been pried open, and inside, the corpse of a middle-aged man. Oh, I've heard about blokes like you. Read about grave robbers. I never thought I'd come across one. Here, I've sent for the corpse, young man. Don't you try any rough stuff. I'm a match for you any day. But, but you don't understand. I tried to save his life, and now it's too late. They don't you give me that. This fellow was given a decent Christian burial. You've desecrated his... Desecrated, you say? Isn't it desecration to bury a man while he's alive? Aye. Uh, Aye, uh, what's he talking about? You don't think people go around being buried alive these days, do you? I don't know what to make of you. I watched you this afternoon. I thought you looked a bit peculiar. I didn't know what you were doing at a pauper's burial. He shouldn't have had a pauper's burial. He shouldn't have been buried at all. I could have saved him. You'd better think up a good story. Something told me that you were up to no good. No, don't try any rough stuff. I already warned you. I watched you. The police are on their way, breaking open a coffin like that. I I knew you were, you were up to something, but I never thought you'd... It's because... It's because I let him get buried alive, and I'm ashamed. Let him get buried for a measly 50 pounds, and now he's dead. Hey, did you come out of a loony bin or something? Now that I get a better look at you, you don't look like no grave robber. I'm not. Listen. What say to you, this fellow we buried today? Nothing, except I'm responsible for his death. I've touched him. He's cold. Cold as death. He's only been in the ground a few hours. They don't stay cold like that. Sometimes we get an exhumation order. We have to dig them up. He'd be surprised how cold they get. He is dead, isn't he? I brought this mirror with me. There's no breath, you see? Look. <laughs> I don't have to look. He's been in the municipal morgue for two days. He's given a pauper's burial. Now then, what's this all about, young man? I want to go home. It was dead all right when they buried him. But not when the ambulance took him to the morgue. You see, I know. You know? Uh, was he a relative of yours? I didn't even know he existed until two days ago. I'd been trapped in the streets looking for work. I didn't want to go home. If you can call that one room Lil and I occupy a home. It was still ringing in my ears, the thing she shouted at me as I left them. I've come to the end of my tether. I pawned everything. Look, look, even the wedding ring you slipped on my finger in the church. What did he say? And all thy worldly goods. Ah, that's a laugh. You were going to share all your worldly goods with me, were you? Well, if you don't get some money or a job, I'm walking out on you. 
Do you hear? I'm walking out on you, and I'll go live with my sister. At least I'll get some warmth and three square meals a day. Oh, don't say that, Lil. Was it my fault I fell sick and couldn't work in the factory anymore? I've tried it. I really have. Everywhere I go, they look at me and say no vacancies. <sighs> Not my fault either. I warn you, I can't take much more of this. I know, honey, I know. I'll get something today, I promise. It was a promise I couldn't keep. Pounding the pavement, watching the dislike and the fear in the eyes of the world as I passed by. Fear that one day they might become like me. And then I see them. I was coming to Duke's Lane, nothing on either side except a huge brick wall. He was a short, fat little man, our steps blurred in the quiet thoroughfare. What's he stopping for? Was he taking a caution? Did he think me a gangster or something? I suppose I look like something that had crawled out of a piece of cheese. <coughs> Governor, are you all right? He can't be. He's conked out. There doesn't seem to be any breathing. I wonder who he is. He must got something in his pocket. Blimey, look at all this money. Must be 50 quid here, at least. Poor swine. What good is money now? I better call a copper. Well, if you don't get some money or a job, I'm walking out on you. Do you hear? I'm walking out. There's nothing anyone can do for this poor swan. He'll find him soon enough. What does a guy do in a case like this? Beat it, you fool. Beat it with the first decent money you had in months. Somebody will find him. Run. Bill! Joe! Joe! You got some money! That's right, Lil. Two five-pound notes, thirteen one-pound notes, and the rest in ten bob notes. It all adds up. Adds up very nicely. Fifty quid and all. Oh, Joe! Honey! I... How did you get this money? You didn't go and do anything silly, did you? Just like what? Rob a bank? I wouldn't know where to start. But... But how did you get it? You'll never believe it. Remember I told you when I was in the sanatorium there? Was this fellow there with the same lung trouble by the name of Ted Brown? Yes. Well, I lent him a quid. You lent him a quid? While I was Well, I was working still drawing my... my wages, wasn't I? We didn't know that the doctor wouldn't let me go back to the factory. Wasn't so bad then. All right. What about this Ted Brown? Well, I meet him in the street, see, and he says he's been looking everywhere for me, wanting to repay the quid. Go on. Well, we go into a pub and have a drink. There was a bookie there, and Ted says he has a hot tip. Fifty to one. It won, Lil. Fifty smackers. Oh, Joe. Fifty smackers? Oh, I love you. Lil went to get some groceries and a couple of bottles of beer. I sat on the bed and had a further look at the wallet. Having taken all the money out, I thought it'd be empty. There were two pockets with plastic windows. The first held a card that said Harold Maxted, 26 Farley Street, Ornsby. Then I looked at the second plastic window. 
There was a strange words printed on a white card. It says, I'm not dead. I'm a subject form of cataleptic illness, which may appear to cause death. If found, please inform Dr. Alfred Miller, Ornsby, 6641. No, no, can't be. Not dead, cataleptic. What have I done? What have I done? They'll think he's... Oh, I must telephone. But Lil, she'll wonder where I've gone. I've given her all my money. Here, all right? I got a bit. Take these bottles from me, will you? Joe, what is it? What time is it, Lil? I, I don't know. The pub's just opened. I'd say about six-ish. Why? Give me ten bob. Do you have any change? I need some silver. I'll have to telephone. It won't be long. What is it? I just have to telephone someone. You're not going gambling, are you? You haven't got the bug. You're not betting on tomorrow's races or anything like that, are you, Joe? There are all those bills that have to be paid. I know, love, I know. No, I'm not gambling, but I need it, please. I'll be back in a little while. It's just that, please, Lil. <sighs> all right. Here. It's all right, love. Would I be too late with the phone call? Would they bury this poor guy without knowing he's a cataleptic, thinking he was dead? This would be the number of the doctor in the wallet. Hello? Can I speak to Dr. Miller, please? Dr. Miller has gone abroad. He's been away for these past six weeks. Abroad? Oh, no. Have you taken over his practice, sir? No, no, no. I'm not a medical man. But if you're in need of a doctor, there must be plenty elsewhere. No, no, it isn't that. You don't know which hospital Dr. Miller was at? I'm afraid I can't help you. I, I, I must go. My wife is shouting. Dinner is on the table. I'm sorry. Thank you. And then another thought steeped into my brain. Underground. A long wooden box. A man being buried, being buried alive in a shovel, heaping earth onto wooden boards. There must be a Max Dead in the telephone directory. There was. Fourteen Max Deads. Every one alive and bad-tempered. No, I have no relatives who suffer from a cataleptic illness. Perhaps there are a few other Max Deads in the book. Try them. Ah, uh, Av, you're Mr. Zachariah Max Dead, the last on the list. Well, I can't help you. What now? Do I go along to the police and say, Look, I stole a man's wallet. Someone should be shoving him into a six-foot of earth. What do I do? I decided to sleep on it. Sleep. That's a laugh. Ugh. Buried alive. Love you, Lil. Love. Please. Pinching white. They're putting me in a wooden box, and it's your fault, Joe Ellish. I'm struggling for breath. They're going to bury me, bury me deep. Not deep enough, Joe. Get me out of this, or I will make you suffer. Here on Earth, and in the beyond. Death. I didn't know what to do. It's been less than six hours since I saw that chap fall. Maybe he's still there. Maybe if I go back to Duke's Lane, he'll be still lying there. 
Oh, sorry, Annie. I didn't mean to wake you up. It's the middle of the night. Where are you going? I won't be long. No, Joe, you're not going anywhere. I thought you'd been acting strange. Oh, Joe, I know I've nagged and threatened you, but it was only because you were getting so down, so beaten. I love you, Joe. Otherwise, you'll... It isn't all that. All right, Lil, I'll tell you, and you'll see why I've got to go. And so I told her. Told her the whole story of how I robbed a man I thought was dead. A corpse that had no use for 50 quid in his wallet. So you see, I've got to go find him or find out where they've taken him. Or they'll think he's dead, Lil. Oh, Joe. Joe, someone would have found him by now. He's probably lying in bed fast asleep. People who have these sorts of fits, they recover. No, they don't. After I found all the Maxteads I could, I went to the library and I looked it up. Unless they get assistance, they could stay that way for days. By then they would have buried him. And you know what that makes me? A murderer. I'm letting a man die for 50 quid. Oh no, Joe. What if you phone the police station? What if you call the Ornsby police station and tell them... Oh no, Joe, you can't do that. They will call you a thief and put you away. Look, I'm getting dressed and coming with you. Where did you say it was, Duke's Lane? Joe, let's pray he's still there. It might be worse. He might have died for lack of attention. Let's pray someone saw him and took him to the hospital and they realised he wasn't, wasn't dead. Shh, a cop. It's a bit nippy this time in the morning, isn't it? You're up late, aren't you? Yeah, that's right. There was a little commotion in Duke's Lane a few hours ago, uh, so my friend Phyllis told me. Something happened in Duke's Lane. Oh, yeah, yeah. Just before I came on duty, postman saw a bloke lying in the lane here. Drop dead. Dead? They're sure he's dead? So the police sergeant said. Why, uh, why? Know anything about it? <laughs> no, we don't know anything about it. It was just that... We wondered if it was anyone we knew is all. Oh, well, I believe they've identified him all right. If you nip round to the station, they might be able to tell you. Oh, I don't think it's anyone we know. Come on, love, it's too cold to stand here chatting. Let's go up to bed. You two married? Yes. <laughs> you should have been in bed ages ago. Uh, good night, or rather good morning. Let's go to the police station. No, no, no. You'll have to entertain about the wallet. Besides, this policeman doesn't really know. But Lil... It's no good, Joe. We're going home. Come on. Some more coffee, Joe. No, thanks. Lil, it's no good. We've got to go to the police. We're committing a murder. It's been two days now. I didn't sleep a wink at all last night. Kept having nightmares, hearing Max Deb's voice pounding in my brain. Pounding in my brain. Telling me to save him before it was too late. You are the only one who can save me, Alice. They're burying me this afternoon. They are putting me in a coffin and covering me with dirt. 
I saw down Duke's lane the other night. That's right. Oh, I'm so glad you're here. You know that we were talking about someone who dropped dead that afternoon. Were you able to identify him? Yeah, we were able to identify him all right. Why? He's a cataleptic. He's not really dead, you know. Oh, don't be funny. We've got the card right here. We're burying him this afternoon. He's an Ornsbury mortuary. Cardiac failure. Uh, this is the release for the body, uh, for it to be buried. Signed by the police surgeon, Dr. Herbert Spencer. He might have been a cataleptic, we don't know about that, but he died of heart failure. Being buried in a pauper's grave at Orangeby Cemetery this afternoon. Didn't die of heart failure, indeed. <laughs> Not dead. <laughs> Maybe I'm being silly. Thank you, Constable. Goodbye. The death certificate was signed by the police surgeon. What does the copper know about cataleptics? If the doctor had known he was a cataleptic, I'm going to stop the burial. You can't, Joe, you can't. Once you tell the police about the wallet, where are you going, Joe? I don't know. You get drunk. I don't know anything anymore. Even my glass of beer went sour in my mouth. I bought it with blood money, the blood of Harold Maxted. I left the pub and walked. They were burying him in a pauper's grave, were they? I didn't ask my feet to move to the cemetery. It seemed they didn't belong to me. They'd be burying him as I got there. A minister, a grave digger, an old man, and obviously the caretaker and the police sergeant. I want him to shout out, don't! Don't put him in the grave, he's not a corpse, he's alive! I couldn't. Those three stripes on the copper sleeve seem to represent the number of years I might get for stealing withholding information, as though I was running from the vengeance of Max Ted himself. Hello, Joe. They buried him at last. I saw it do it to them, in a cheap wooden coffin. <laughs> Maybe it's a good thing the coffin was a cheap one. Maybe the coffin make a guy it. Maybe the owls in it. Maybe the poor swine will be able to breathe. Fifty measly knickers. Fifty rotten pounds. I've turned myself into a murderer. I've let you in on it too. They'll say you're part of a conspiracy. What have I done to you? What have I done to us? Nothing, Joe. All right. So you pinched his wallet when we were both starving. No one... Can have you up for... for murder? That's beside the point, isn't it, Liv? He's down there struggling for breath, isn't he? He won't be struggling for long. 
I don't know anything about cataleptics, but you can't be nailed inside a coffin underneath six feet of earth long. Look out the window, Lil. It's got dark already. It's winter, Joe. I'll know the grave, Lil. I'm going back. Joe. You're not going to stop me, Lil. I'm going back, and I'm going to let him out of the grave. Please, Lil. I've got to. All right, Joe. I'll come with you. No, I couldn't bear it. I've got to do this on my own. Suppose... Supposing he's too heavy for you. You're not strong, Joe. It's a pauper's grave, Lil. It didn't take much trouble with him. Why a pauper with all that money in his wallet? That makes it worse, doesn't it? Maybe they couldn't raise his relatives. What with his doctor going away and everything. Here, Lil. Get my armor out of the drawer. It's got that thing on the end for pulling out nails. And that piece of the mirror. All right. Here. I hope you're right. That you know what you're doing. It's the only way, Lil. The only way. And it's too late. He's dead, all right. Blimey, young man. I wouldn't want to be in your shoes. Not for nothing. Just a minute. What did you say this bloke's name was? Maxted. Harold Maxted. Oh, no, it's not. Huh? This bloke's name is Sidney Frazier. Are you sure it's the same bloke? Positive. I know it's the same bloke. He was accusing face, follows me around, sleeping and waking. Oh, well, young man, come and have a look with me. We don't give them much of a tombstone, these paupers. There you are. Sidney Fraser, born February the 6th, 1920. He died December the 5th, 1967. I've told you everything. They've given him the wrong name. You better tell that to the police constable. I'm sorry about this, young man. I warned you. I thought I was too old to take you on my own. When you started opening that grave, I ran to the cemetery office and found the police. Oh, well. It's almost a relief in a way. Hello? What's going on here? Ah, it's you again. Your missus was in the police station this morning with some nonsense about... Hey! You're going to have a grave, are you? There's something fishy going on. I told my sergeant that your wife came in and we were burying someone who was cataleptic. And who's not dead, he nearly strangled me. Said I should have taken full particulars. Said I ought to charge you both with causing a public nuisance. This fella, Sidney Fraser, has had heart trouble for years. Sometimes an ordinary hospital had the pleasure of his company. More often than not, it was a prison hospital. Police sergeant warned him he hadn't long to live. Your wife comes in with a cock of old story and we're burying him alive. As if we didn't know. Sidney Fraser. In his day, he was the finest pickpocket in Ornsby. Pickpocket? Yeah. Why, only the other day, we had a complaint from Mr. Maxted that someone had stolen his wallet. Bloke accosted him on a bus stop and started running. From his description, we knew it was Sid. <laughs> he picked Max's pocket. He wasn't a cataleptic. He was a pickpocket. <laughs> You'd better pull yourself together. Uh, now, what's... Are you doing here, and why is this grave open? That's all right, Constable. Our young friend here got a bit mixed up. I opened the grave to show him he was mistaken. 
Then why do you ring the police and say there was a suspicious character lurking around the cemetery? Well, it seems I was mistaken, that's all, Constable. In fact, we were both mistaken, weren't we, young man? <laughs> Pickpocket, ho-ho, cataleptics. <laughs> for tuning into today's episode of Bergen Sages Radio Theater. Today we have brought you Alive in the Grave, starring Kevin Bergen as the caretaker, Robert Kirshner as Joe, Patrick Keisted as Harold Maxted, Christine Dunning as Lil, Karl Marx as the cop, Dean Matson as Zachariah Maxted, and yours truly as the man's voice. Dean Matson is also our recording engineer and sound effects creator. Marianne Coe is our video engineer, and I am Jim Bumgardner, your host. Thank you to Bergen Community College, the BCC Office of Student Life, and the BCC Media Technologies Department. Tune in again to another episode of Bergen Stages Radio Theater soon, and be sure to catch some of our earlier episodes available online. Until next time, remember, don't touch that dial, and if you do, remember to disinfect it first. <laughs>